0: What do you want out of this podcast, listener? (laughs) What do you you want to gain from
1: from this? Right, this has gone horribly. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of 80% Mental, which is definitely the best sports psychology podcast made in an attic in Sheffield. I can say that, I think, with 100% confidence. Um, I'm Dr. Pete Olushaga, and Hugh Gilmore's here as well. Hugh, how are you doing? I'm great.
2: Uh, I'm very excited today. Um, I'm also amazed at some of the feedback we've been getting online from uh, the listens from the first uh, few episodes that have been released. It's absolutely immense.
1: It is. It's, it's mind blowing. It's more than I uh, more than I would have expected. So thanks to everybody who's been sharing our episodes and and listening. Um, we're going to get straight into today's episode, and as usual, we're going to start with a question about sports psychology, and we're going to see if we can answer it in around about an hour or so. And this week's question is, how can I set goals that really stick? And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that most people are pretty crap at sticking to goals. I mean, I've got no evidence whatsoever for that statement, but it seems like it's about right. Have you got any goals, Hugh, that you've just sacked off completely?
2: I, I have set a number of goals. Um, I did have a goal of to build a stand-up paddleboard once, and then I just decided to buy one instead. Um, but I also did have a goal once of uh, trying to do a handstand on top of a skateboard. But I think the reason I didn't achieve that was because I didn't set the goal of learning to use a skateboard first.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. I, uh, I set a goal at the start of this year, and it was to read at least one chapter of at least one book every single day of the year. And I did it until the start of August and I went away for a week. And the first day that I was away, I literally forgot that I was supposed to be doing it. And at that point I've I've just sacked it off now.
2: My goodness. It was good though. It was
1: good when I was doing it. But the, the first, the first day that I forgot, I was like, "Oh, well, I might as well not bother." And I think that's going to that's going to be a theme that comes up in the rest of the episode as well. Um, luckily, though, we've got two fantastic sports psychologists with us today to help us figure out how to set goals that stick. So, whether you're an athlete, a coach, a psych, or just someone who's trying to stick to their goals, hopefully, we've got something useful for you today. So first I want to introduce Hannah Brooks. Hannah is a chartered sport and exercise psychologist working for the English Institute of Sport and a number of other private clients as well. And Hannah, you're doing a PhD at Cardiff Met, is that right?
0: Yes, that is right.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about what that PhD is is about?
0: Yes, yeah, so I'm looking at uh, psychosocial factors that might be important in the development of elite triathletes.
1: Okay, awesome. Um, and I want to point out, Full disclosure, Hannah is uh, an ex-student of mine. Uh, Hannah was in my class when I was true. teaching on the the MSc in sport and exercise psychology. I won't say how many years ago that was, partly because I can't actually remember, um, but it was a while <laughs> ago anyway. Um, so welcome to the show, Hannah.
0: Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here.
1: And we've also got Charlotte Hinchliffe, who is the performance psychologist for British Paris Swimming and is also completing a PhD uh, in talent development at Leeds Becker. And Charlotte, you've been working in in sports psych since 2013, is that right? What, seven years or so?
3: Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, So I completed my master's at the end of 2013 and went on to my stage two training then and been doing a combination of applied work and and research and teaching and lecturing in sports psych ever since, yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, welcome Hannah and Charlotte. Uh, Really glad to have you guys here with us.
0: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks a lot.
1: So we've got two guests with a a load of experience and then there's me and Hugh who may or may not also bring something interesting. We'll have to wait and see. I want to start with the first question and it might seem like an obvious one, but Charlotte, why do we bother to set goals?
3: Uh, So I think everyone sets some sort of goal on a probably daily basis, even if it's just to get up at a certain time or achieve a certain task in the day, that's kind of setting yourself a goal and it's... Around giving yourself a bit of direction and, and purpose and, and what you're wanting to achieve. Every time you're setting out to achieve something, you're, you're um, setting yourself a goal. But also know that uh, goals kind of are good confidence boosters and good at motivating us and directing our, our efforts and helping us to focus in on, on certain things that are going to help us to get where we want to be, I guess.
2: So um, I'm curious, you guys obviously uh, are sports psychs. Do you do you set goals yourself uh, as well as with your clients?
0: I think as Charlotte said, you sort of inherently we're all setting goals on a daily basis, whatever we're doing, simple tasks or more complex tasks or work stuff, personal life. Certainly I'd say it's something that I do genuinely try to do and try to practice what I preach a little bit but I can absolutely resonate with uh, what you guys were saying at the beginning about uh, certainly having having goals that you've set and achieved and also that you've set and, and, and failed. I'm currently trying to lose the
3: lockdown uh, stone or the corona stone as people keep calling it that I've managed. Oh it's to... got a name has it? Well, I've heard it floating about, yeah, <laughs> and I can certainly attest to that. I've been one of those that have definitely gained the Corona stone, so yeah, <laughs> that's my my current goal. When I got back from manual leave a couple of weeks ago, I was like, right, that's enough eating and drinking nice stuff for a while. Let's get that stone off again. So yeah, that's my current goal. I'm working with.
2: Okay, so um as sports psychs, you, you have a bit of an insight to this, uh, not just in with athletes but with yourselves. Like, how is it goals actually work? There must be some sort of theory behind it or or approach that kind of underpins how you think about your goals and the the elite athletes that you work with, their goals as well.
3: Um, So in terms of, I guess, how how goals work, I think it's around, like I said, providing a bit of focus in terms of giving you a bit of direction of of what you're aiming for. And um, again, being a bit of a motivator, so giving you kind of that overall thing of, of what you're aiming for, so we often talk about different types of goals having different functions so you might have your big outcome long-term goal and then you might break that down into different objectives you're trying to achieve along the way Um, and then you might have some process goals around how you're actually going to go about doing that and it's just a really useful way in terms of understanding how you want to achieve those big picture goals by using smaller goals to help you get there along the way as well.
2: And Hannah have you any thoughts on that like in terms of like the theory behind it and how it works and you piece it together is there anything that you think is a key feature that I mean it's very easy for psychologists to use big words like process and, and outcome and stuff like that like for somebody who's maybe a little uh linguistically challenged like myself how would you break this down to a coach
0: I think looking at kind of the bigger picture of us as humans the way I've been thinking about about this is that as humans we have this amazing ability to to think and to control our actions and what we do and decide what goals we want to make. Um, some probably are decided for us by our physiology um, and a, a need to drink or sleep, but we also have an ability to, to choose what, what we want to do. And I think that's where this concept of goal setting becomes hugely important within the world of performance and, and our daily lives too. And I think probably what Charlotte's pulled out there is is that We can sort of have this goal of, oh, I want to hit this time uh, or come in this position in this competition. But actually what we need to be able to do is to break it down into things that are within our control. And that's where the the kind of process goals come in. A lot of the goal setting works come from the organisational psychology literature uh, originally. Um, I think Locke and Latham are the big sort of big names behind a lot of the goal setting research. And actually, what they found is that setting really specific goals is really important. And setting goals that are fairly challenging to us are going to have the best kind of impact from a kind of motivational perspective, certainly. But equally, having goals that are achievable is is super important too. If you're constantly trying to achieve goals of these process goals, these controllable goals that are, are just you're not able to achieve, maybe you're not good enough at that moment in time or you're not trained well enough for then actually you might actually set yourself back by setting goals that are sort of not not achievable so making them difficult but achievable is also really important.
2: Yeah it's it's interesting there that uh, you know you, you said that goals can actually set you back and I think you know this is one of the difficult things to explain within psychology is that if you've got something that's strong medicine it's also strong poison if it's used
1: in the wrong way uh pete i'm sure you've got some thoughts on this you must know something about goals well just to pick up on on what you guys have both said so far so it seems like we all set goals whether we're athletes coaches just anybody um everybody sets goals whether they're little things about getting up in the morning at a particular time, or whether it's achieving some long-term objective. Charlotte, you mentioned outcome goals, perhaps longer-term outcomes that we're looking for. And then there's process goals, which are the real nuts and bolts. And I like to break that down as thinking about, okay, well, the what, as in what is it that I'm trying to achieve, and the how. Well, how am I going to get there? And those process goals are all about the how. Um, Hannah, you mentioned achievable goals. And I know that a lot of our listeners will have come across this idea of smart goals or smart goals or smarter goals or whatever it is. This is like a million different acronyms and everyone loves an acronym. But I just wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about that. So achievable is one of those guidelines for setting good goals. What, what, What are smart goals and how do they work?
0: Yeah, so depending which uh, acronym you do decide to use, <laughs> um, smart goals, uh, stat or smart, uh, the acronym stands for specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time bound. Um, so I think that captures some of the things we talked about already with the uh, sort of difficult or challenging but achievable and also specific nature of goals. But I think the other, uh, the other bits we probably haven't haven't mentioned so much there are having something that you can measure. Be that a time, a distance, uh, a measurable outcome or something that you measure more qualitatively uh, through observation and also having a bit of a time frame on it. Um, if you don't put deadline uh, on, on it, then th- that's going to make it a bit more tricky to, to know what it is you're actually trying to achieve.
1: So when we set goals, they should be specific and measurable there should be something that's realistic achievable uh something that we record so we write it down somewhere that helps as well and something where there's a a sort of time frame to that goal as well so that's that's what smart goals are and like i say most people i think will have probably come across smart goals what's the evidence that setting these types of goals and following those those guidelines about making it you know challenging but achievable what's the evidence that setting goals actually helps me get where i want to
0: Well, my understanding is that there's a fair bit of evidence behind the kind of specificity and the kind of level of challenge of goals. Um, And also the fact that if you kind of announce it publicly, that you're setting a specific goal, that you're more likely to achieve it. So that links in with the kind of recording down. Um, Probably the one thought I have had when I was thinking about coming on to do this podcast was, are we very fixated on goal setting as almost the almost like an outcome rather than goal setting itself being this process and the benefits that you can potentially get from that. So as a coach to sit down with an athlete to help them understand what it is they actually do need to do to achieve what they want to achieve in their sport and getting to know themselves, their strengths, their weaknesses, where they're at right now to help develop the coach-athlete relationship or the athlete-psychologist relationship I think that for me, that's got to be a huge part of goal setting as a as a topic, if you like.
2: I've never really heard anyone put it like that before. Um, people setting goals, uh, the set the act of setting goals is the goal, as opposed to goal setting as a process. It's how you create performance. That's quite astute, actually. You know, I, I think most. Most coaches and uh, most athletes probably think, oh, you set goals and and then you've set goals. But it's actually, that's not goal setting. Goal setting is the how you build performance. uh, And it's the process that you've uh, elicited there. Charlotte, have you any thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I think I I agree. I think that's a really good way of putting it. And it's, you know, it's. It, sometimes these things can become a bit of a tick box activity where it's like you know have I done my goal setting have I done all these different things you've got to tick off and actually it's the the process behind that that's the important thing and engaging with that that that's going to get the results and and ultimately affect performance uh, but also I think just picking up on something else Hannah said there, the importance of not having goal setting done to you by a coach, like the coach setting your goals, but actually being involved in that process is really important. And in terms of getting buy-in for that process, really the, the athlete should be ideally driving that process, but at least be involved with it um, and, and it be a collaborative process between, between coach and athlete rather than coaches just setting goals and putting them onto, onto athletes. I think that's really important.
2: Yeah so so goal setting's actually you know done with somebody or for someone and not to them. One of the things that I'm very aware of is the fact that you know kids are getting smart goal to death as soon as they hit about you know 14 or so in the education system It's like every every teacher smart goal them to get to death and you know how how do you take say for example a teacher who maybe is smart goal on the kid to death how would you get them to phrase what they're doing in such a way that there's buy-in and it's done for the kids and not to the kids?
3: So by being smart goal to death, do you mean that they're telling them to do smart goals, or just going on and on about what smart goaling is?
2: Or well, no, I mean like I'll give you an example. Whenever I was delivering uh, pre pre-made slides uh, in a B Tech course, every slide or every lesson started with smart goals and finished with smart goals. It was just continually smart. Everything was delivered by smart goals. It was nearly as if you didn't learn unless somebody had set a smart goal. <laughs> and I thought I thought it was just like overuse of the technique. But then I realized that this is actually within the education system. It's become quite popular is the use of smart goals. And, and I'm pretty sure some kids probably died from a smart goal. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in classrooms where, you know, people have died of boredom. You're not, um, you're not
1: selling yourself as a, as a teacher here, Hugh.
2: In all, in all seriousness, <laughs> so, like, so smart goal to death is whenever you're constantly being hit with, let's put that in this smart goal, let's put that in this smart goal. And it's the teacher talking about the process to the child. I don't think it goes through. What's the difference between what a sports psych would do and a teacher who's just been told, here, have some smart?
3: I think like you just almost hit the nail on the head there. Like, it's going through that process alongside them and really trying to get them to drive that process. I think with the SMARTER acronym, one of the um, words used for the E is e- exciting, like, like having goals that make you excited and, and that you want to be working towards. And I think if people are just dictated to around it um, and it's made into a really dry process, like have you made that specific tick? Have you made that measurable tick? Then that's not going to excite people. So, you know, relevant expertise can be brought in, but really the person that That should be driving that is the person who's going to be doing all those processes that they need to do to achieve the goal.
1: It's really interesting listening to, to you both talk about this because as far as I'm aware anyway, the evidence that directly links goal setting with performance outcomes is actually pretty sketchy. So, you know, just because we set goals doesn't necessarily mean our performance is going to get better. But what I'm hearing from you is that it's actually the process of goal setting that's the important thing here. And that comes right back to that first question that we asked, which was, you know, why do we set goals? And what I'm hearing is that it's the process that's important. It's that collaboration between athlete and coach or student and teacher. There's an element of self-discovery and self-learning when we're setting goals uh it's perhaps something that's motivating or perhaps confidence boosting and there's that kind of excitement around you know almost inspiring people to to take action in the in a direction that they want to go in so it's less less about goal setting directly being beneficial for performance and more about goal setting having an impact on all of those other things that might lead athletes students whoever to, to to push forward
3: yeah i think that's a really good summary i think um the massive part that it has to do with self-awareness raising and creating space to have those conversations that maybe wouldn't happen if you didn't have a time set aside to, to have those discussions around goal setting. So the athlete or whoever you're working with, by going through that process, understands more around what's realistic for them to be working towards, where should they be focusing in their attention on um, during this particular part in the season. Um, and, yeah, I think
0: just creates the space to have those conversations and build that that self-awareness something just sparked in my head as as pete was talking then and charlotte was talking then um, was just around um how it kind of links to the self-awareness piece there um of self-awareness of of what what someone needs to do what's realistic what what their weaknesses are and potentially also what their strengths are um, and it might be that at different points in the year or different times in the season that you actually use goal setting to try and elicit slightly different outcomes, almost um, depending on as, as a coach or a psychologist what what you feel that athlete almost needs to work towards or needs a little nudge on. Like, is it a generally increasing self awareness, um, and how do I give a little nudge towards that, or is it? I feel that the athlete needs to work on some some weaknesses. It's the beginning of the season. We've got a great opportunity here to, to look at all the things that the athlete needs to improve on. Or is it actually, we're coming into competition. I really want this athlete to build develop their confidence. So do I support them to elicit and, and create some goals around certain strengths and how they can maximise them, for example?
2: Yeah, so that's an interesting point there. Like The self-awareness, but also the self-awareness of resources on what to draw on, so that the goal setting is not just the idea of, you know, let's set a plan in someone's head, but also it's an appraisal of who they are, what they've got, and then also what have they got access to. Um, You know, I'm not going to become the world's best handstander handstander on a skateboard if I don't have access either to a handstand coach or somebody who can teach me how to skateboard. Um, Not to mention the fact, have you seen the state of me? It's just not realistic. (laughs)
1: So you're listening to 80% Mental and we're here with Hannah Brooks and Charlotte Hinchliffe to see if we can figure out how to set goals that really stick. Um, I only found this out fairly recently that around three weeks into January is the day when most people give up on their New Year's resolutions. Everyone likes to set them, but we're pretty terrible at, at sticking to them. And I only found out recently that this has got a name. This is known <laughs> as Quitter's Day. And I, I guess the question is, what are we doing wrong? Because we've talked about SMART goals and the things that we should be doing to set set goals that really stick. But if everybody quits after three weeks, why are we doing that? What are we doing wrong?
3: One of the other words I've heard used for the SMART acronym um, for the A is adjustable. And I think that may come into this here in the the importance of um adjusting your goals or, or regularly reviewing them and adjusting them where necessary. So that you've kind of you're making sure that the goal you set is is realistic. Um and if it's too easy, you might need to set a, a more difficult goal. But if it's too unachievable, you might need to adjust that goal. A lot of time people might set very black and white goals as well and I think you, you mentioned Pete at the start that the, the first day that you didn't read the, that chapter of your book you just gave up then because uh, <laughs> well, what's the point now I've I've kind of not done it for one day so I think part of it is is kind of recognizing that you're not necessarily gonna be doing it 100% every day and, and you you've got to have some realism about that and be able to get yourself back on track if you if you do kind of dip off for that for that one day or something so a lot of new year's goals i'm sure are around health stuff so taking up more exercise or eating better or drinking less um and the first time we don't do that we can be like oh what's the point but it's, it's about bringing yourself back on track maybe and having a bit more realism about being human and uh, not being able to do it 100% of the time
1: hannah what do you think why do we why do we fail at, at, at setting goals
0: yeah i think charlotte's made like really really good points there and um, just thinking about something I think I mentioned earlier just about humans being able to kind of act consciously and deliberately and having a choice in what we do but I suppose we do also have these underlying physiological drives such as being hungry or thirsty uh, needing sleep etc uh, and I think as a bit of and this links to being adaptable with our goals a bit of it is about acknowledging those things that we maybe don't actually have conscious control over and how they might influence us I think there's a study out there about judges making certain decisions about cases when they're hungry and versus when they're not and how they're more likely to say that somebody is guilty if they're hungry um he was nodding so I think I've retained that information correctly (laughs) even when we spoke about it and I think that that's a great example of just those sort of underlying human physiological drives that we have and how they influence our behavior and it's it's exactly the same within within goal setting and that's where yeah that being adaptable as Charlotte talked about is, is hugely important. We've picked
3: out some of the kind of challenges people might have or the barriers that they might have to achieving their goals and and you can almost plan for how you're going to overcome them ahead of time, rather than being kind of caught off guard by them, and then being like, "Oh, I, I've been knocked off the knocked off my trajectory." Now I might as well just give up. You almost like you can almost plan ahead and anticipate what you might do in that situation, which which can also be helpful when you when you're going through the initial process of setting goals.
1: So what we're saying is that for people who are setting goals, it's not just about what it is they're trying to achieve, they need to think about all the things that might get in the way of those goals and perhaps take proactive steps to think, okay, well, if that happens, well, here's how I'm going to get around that. Here's how I'm going to continue uh, pursuing this goal that I've set. And Hannah, interestingly, you, you were talking about um, those physiological drives and that the idea of self-control almost being a bit of a finite resource. So at times when we're tired or hungry or you know, we've got a whole lot of other stuff going on, Actually, those are times when we might lack a little bit of self-control, and that's when we need to be particularly aware. I guess that some of the goals that we might set might fall by the wayside. That's when the packet of hobnobs in the cupboard looks particularly appealing. Yeah, <laughs> um, can we? Can you set too many goals?
3: I, I think you probably can. Yeah, I'm not sure if there's um, any any kind of evidence to support this, but um, just from kind of anecdotal kind of my own experience of working with people when they have too many goals you can sometimes have too many things to focus on and that can be quite unhelpful actually because if you think about your attention as a, a finite resource if you're trying to split your attention across too many tasks um you'll be limited in, in your kind of ability to engage with all those different tasks so yeah from experience setting three four goals within a, a, a specific time period can can be plenty i guess a lot of it depends on the types of goals you're setting as well and and what they involve um i don't know if there's a easy answer to this but yeah i, I think <laughs> you probably can definitely set too many goals
1: <laughs> well i guess if the point of them is to focus attention then if we're setting too many and focusing attention on too many things that can be more of a more of a hindrance more of a distraction hugh what what, what do you think about that
2: uh, I think it's interesting, Uh, there's a term within the research called goal blur, Now I can't remember the paper I've I've read that from, but uh, essentially the the phrase, if everything's a priority, then nothing's a priority, rings true. And I think that's, for me, part it goes back to the mechanistic idea of how goal setting works, is it, it drives your focus and attention to the thing that you've actually planned as important uh, it doesn't mean you're going to achieve it, but it means actually because you've planned it is important, it's more likely to get done. So yeah, I think there is something within the literature about setting too many goals. But I think, you know, that also brings up like a different way of looking at setting goals in terms of the process. So the way I set goals, and I'm going to throw this out here, like I didn't come up with this myself. Um, it was actually the simplest way that I've found to understand it. it comes from a book called Sporting Body, Sporting Mind by Saren Connolly, uh, which I picked up in a charity shop for ADP. And like I still use that method with you know world champions at the moment because it's so effective. But the critical thing that I thought from that method was that it asks you to set goals for your entire life, uh, the next five years, the next six months, and then the next three months with the idea being that you sort of plan out your entire life as it would be. And then once you've set loads of goals for each of those timeframes, you then prioritize those goals. And that then lets you sort of know what's achievable and how they all link together from the short term to long term. And it's a really simplistic way of thinking about goals. But for me, it raises the big question of, look, you've got a limited amount of time. And if you've got goals in your personal life, those need to be as important as your sporting goals or your education goals or your relationship goals, or if you're on Instagram, your squad goals. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. That's a bit of a ramble on, on how I think about goals and prioritization. Pete, um, what do you guys think about that?
3: Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I, I think um, there's definitely a need to, to kind of prioritize. And I think I really liked what you brought in there around – valuing your your personal goals as much as your professional goals or your sporting goals or you know whatever your line of work so to speak is I, I i was at a derren brown show a few years ago and it was quite i think i was early in my training so i'd done like my master's and i was you know get taught all this stuff around goal setting and stuff and she started the show by saying something like, I can't remember the exact words, but it was something about how goal setting can be really dangerous because it can make you so focused on one thing that you kind of forget to live. And you're so focused on achieving this one thing that you just forget to live your life. And that kind of resonated and rung true. And I was, I was just like, that importance of having goals in all different areas of your life is really important for having a good balance, I think.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it links to something that we've talked about in other episodes, and that's the idea of having values. Uh, and identifying values rather than goals and I think goals are important but unless we connect with the meaning behind them uh, unless they're in the service of something that's bigger then they're easy to just set aside if we mess them up or if we don't achieve them straight away so goals are like a destination so we might have a goal to get to America so what do we do we head west and eventually we get there identifying a value is more like a direction of travel. So, you know, it might be really important for us to keep heading west. That's our value. And we can reach various destinations along the way. Uh, We can achieve milestones, but the important thing isn't the, the, the destination It's the direction of travel. The important thing is that we keep moving that way and it doesn't matter how much I move, whether it's a lot or a little bit, I'm, you know, what's important is that I'm still moving. So in that case, goals are actually pretty much irrelevant. We put that in the context of, of sport or, or exercise even. Okay, well, what's a goal? Um, it might be to get my body fat percentage down under 10% for an athlete, for example, or for the average person, okay, maybe I wanna lose five pounds. But if I can identify the value behind that rather than just a the goal, then it becomes more meaningful. We've identified why we're actually doing it. So the value might be that actually I wanna live a really healthy lifestyle. Being healthy is really important to me. Now, if I eat a whole pack of hobnobs, that might, or it might not even, stop me from achieving my my goal. It certainly won't help, though. Um, and as in the case of my, my reading goal, I might just decide to give up because you know I'm, I'm not going to get there. I'm not going to achieve it. I've missed that one day. But if it's the value that's important rather than the goal, if healthy living is the, the important thing, then I can notice that I'm not moving in that direction anymore, and I can reorient i can i can recommit to start moving that way again and again the goal itself actually becomes completely irrelevant what's important is committing to pursuing that value and if i do that then the goal i had in the first place will it'll come eventually and it just it just kind of reminded me of of, of what we were, what you guys were talking about there about having Or identifying those values in different domains of life not just in sports and not just at work uh, not just at home but having having all of those things uh, and identifying what those values are and just to kind of bring it back to where we started which was the new year's resolutions thing a lot of people set new year's resolutions in response to the excesses of november and december and maybe september and october as well so the goal, the goals that people set are you know reactions to eating too much drinking too much partying too much rather than in the pursuit of something that's meaningful to them and i think that's why a lot of people perhaps come unstuck when they're setting setting new year's resolutions what, what do you guys think you got any, any thoughts on on that
0: i feel inspired
1: good I- <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm a big believer in uh, the importance of values as well I think as they're the kind of things that navigate the way you approach life I think and absolutely if you can if you can tie your goals into your values I think that helps give it that that greater purpose which is is massive I think
1: Anna, any thoughts of value something that you work with 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 your athletes
0: yeah, certainly. I def- definitely echo um, everything Charlotte's just said. And and probably linking back to something she said earlier about planning for the, the times when things might not go to plan. I think if you've got those really clear values, then you can plan in accordance with those values for what might go wrong in terms of getting to a goal or what what might go wrong and how am I going to respond to that in alignment with this value. And that can be a helpful way of uh, addressing those potential challenges
2: so you know you've talked there Hannah uh, about how if you align to your values that'll sort of help you when you get off track have you and and Charlotte to you as well have you guys you know got any strategies that you sort of plan in advance for setbacks and and how to cope with those with uh, the goal setting procedure and is there anything in particular that you go through What, what do you think Hannah?
0: I think that, again, it comes back to having a really honest, open conversation and, and coming back to that idea of, of goal setting being a, a process whereby if it's you're a coach or a psychologist or wh- whoever you are setting goals with, an, with another person, ensuring that you're creating a place and a, a space where it's, it's safe to talk about the things that might go wrong. And then when you do come up with those ideas looking for an action, a controllable thing that you or they will do if and when that scenario occurs. So if, for example, you have given up drinking at New Year uh, in your reactive goal to all those indulgences um, <laughs> then firstly you could plan for the fact that you have some leftover alcohol from from christmas and it could be that it gets to a friday night and you you're really craving you're really craving a drink you just think oh that'd be lovely i'm back to work i'm a bit stressed out again and i need a, really need a drink so you can plan for that by potentially getting rid of that alcohol out the house not necessarily having one night binge to to get rid of it all but get get rid of it all and in, uh, in a very safe <laughs> safe way <laughs> <laughs> chuck it down the sink um and then you've planned and you've put an action in place for for what happens if uh, if if that scenario does occur or it might be a case that your mates invite you down the pub and your uh, your planned response is to go actually rather than going down the pub do you fancy meeting uh, coming over to my place for lunch instead and that's your planned response. So I think those are probably the, the, the key things that I'd I'd probably think about. And then just one more thing's come into my brain as I'm speaking. <laughs> um, just where you can potentially hold yourself to account in some way as an athlete, maybe you could ask your coach to actually hold you accountable for doing what you said you're gonna do or check in with you, potentially just having that that little bit of a nudge from an external source or you know, setting a reminder on your phone, having, a, having a, a screenshot on the back of your phone saying, do not drink the alcohol in the cupboard. <laughs> um, just, just something to act as a little reminder might be a helpful thing to consider, too.
2: That's, that's uh, pretty amazing, Hannah. I mean, you've outlined there, uh, like, if then plans or what if plans that people will know from, from research here. Like, I think it's called implementation intentions within the literature. But the thing that just shocked me about your answer the most was, um, you know, oh, w- let's consider that we're going to feel and actually the dynamic between uh, the psych or the coach and the athlete. Like, uh, this is, we are setting a goal and, and let's talk about what happens and when we'll feel. Because I suppose, you know, that's, that's a big thing. Like, coaches can buy in too much to setting a goal that it nearly feels like the, is there's a failure of the goal, but then that failure is also a failure in itself and and says something about the athlete when actually it's part of the process. So being upfront and having that conversation of like, look, this failure is part of this. It says nothing about you. And we'll get to a point where we fail and and then we reassess and being honest about that and start. I don't think I've ever heard that before, but it seems like something that's very foundational in that relationship. Uh, So thanks very much for sharing that. Charlotte, uh, goal setting, dealing with failure, um, we've just heard a bit from Hannah there about that and what we do with setbacks. Um, any views on this yourself? Any experiences?
3: I think a useful useful framework that can be used to help guide those, those conversations around maybe anticipating challenges is um, some of the models we know from from behaviour change theory. One of the most comprehensive models out there at the moment, I believe, is the, the COMB model by Susan, Mickey and colleagues. And they outline um, kind of six key areas that influence our ability to change our behavior or not. So you've got capability is the C, um, so whether we're physically or psychologically capable of doing that behavior, that new behavior we're trying to do. We've got opportunity, so whether we've got the physical opportunity in our environment and the social support in our environment to help us help us change that behavior. Or achieve that goal, and motivation. So the reflexive and the reflective motivation, I think, it is. So Hannah picked on the the reflexive one there of the alcohol just being in reach and you just reaching for it with a reflex on a Friday night after a hard hard week's work, and then reflectively, like whether you can plan for that maybe by getting rid of everything in advance, so you, so you haven't got that temptation there. And I think th- those models of behaviour change can be really useful for maybe guiding some of those conversations. But equally, I think most people. Have a bit of an inkling about where their challenges might be and what's gonna maybe fray them, of course, because from 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 previous experience. So, um, it can be a useful framework to use, but also, like Hannah said, just having those open conversations with the individual and and creating that dialogue, the the individual probably has quite a good insight into for them what their their particular challenges might be.
2: That that's excellent, Sure, Um, I I can't believe we've talked about this and not talked about the combi model, Pete you're even older than me. And <laughs> I'm curious, do you know what the Combi model is? Have you heard of that?
1: Is that some sort of Hoover? <laughs> or like a washing machine or something, is it? That-
2: <laughs> this is the thing that freaks me out, is that when I did my master's, you know, you had uh, stages of change, Pochasca and De Clemente, but now all the kids are learning about Combi. It's actually a much more useful way of thinking about behavior change, but it seems to be... You know, if you weren't educated at a certain time, you don't know about it. So I only found out about it through Megan Bentley, who's a nutritionist, who's doing her PhD in it. So thanks for sharing that with us, Charlotte. It's something that the listeners should definitely check out. Pete, how can we help our listeners, you know, learn how to set goals?
1: Do you think we, I think we should set our listeners a goal. What do you think? I, I think
2: we should set our listeners a goal.
1: I think that's a good idea. I, I think an awesome goal for our listeners would be to, when they finish listening to this episode of the podcast, leave us a review. Um, Wait, you've done it wrong. What have I done wrong?
2: You're telling them to leave us a review. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, no, I am, I?
2: We've got two experts on. Right, okay. Hannah, Charlotte, we need you guys to speak in such a way that it will help and encourage our listeners to set the goal of leaving a review for the podcast. Go.
3: Q, you know I hate being put on the spot.
2: (laughs) I've got a good way for you to think about this, right? I want you to imagine you're ringing up the listeners and you're going to be a sports psych who's going to leave a message in such a way that it helps them set the goal, okay? And you've only got one chance to leave a message and they're going to listen to the message and see what happens okay this is tough
3: (laughs) and the goal is to leave a review for the show
0: yeah after you hannah (laughs) so i think i'd i'd say something like this hi listener um thank you so much for tuning into the show and hope you hope you enjoyed it but what would be fantastic would be if if you have got an opinion on the show if you might want to take a bit of time to think oh this is rubbish (laughs) I'm telling them I'm telling oh my god it's hard I can't do it (laughs) we want to give
3: you an opportunity to practice everything you've learned from today's amazing podcast on goal setting show us your best
0: (laughs) what do you want out of this podcast listener (laughs) what do you what do you want to gain from from this Is there a way that you can think of that would help Pete and Hugh to continue creating great podcasts for you and keep making better podcasts? And (laughs) do you use your feedback, but
3: frame it as goals for Pete and Hugh?
1: Right, this has gone horribly. (laughs) (laughs) This is so hard.
2: This hasn't gone horribly because our listeners have now learned that it's absolutely impossible to set a goal in a one-way conversation. It's a two-way conversation. You have to work with the person. And these guys, ringing them up, leaving a voicemail saying, leave a five-star review and say something nice about Pete's beautiful voice, them ringing up and saying, leave a five-star review, is not going to be effective. So I suppose let's just politely ask our, our, our listeners to... Just leave a review
1: then Pete. that is exactly what i'm going to do if you're enjoying what you're listening to don't forget to subscribe wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts and we'd love to hear from you as well so go to the website www80 percentmental.com. 80 percent mental is all words and leave a comment after this episode or you could tweet us at epm podcast and let us know your goal setting successes or failures or any tips that maybe you might like to share I definitely didn't have that written down. It was entirely off the cuff. Um, so far, we've focused mainly on individuals. But let's say I'm coaching a team or let's say I'm in charge of a group of people. How do I help that team to set appropriate goals? Because I might have a lot of different personalities, a lot of individuals who want to set individual goals. You know, how, how do we navigate that? How do we set team goals? Um, and I'll, I'll go to you first, Charlotte.
3: I think um, I think you've touched on a really good point there that it, it, there are some potential differences with setting team goals to, to individual goals and some, some other factors to consider. I think what's important with teams is to have a really good culture and, and really good vision of where from a team where everyone's on the same page and, and, and know where they're heading as a team, bringing it back to values again, Pete, the values that underpin that, but having team values those team values might be slightly different to your individual values, but there's normally ways that you can look to, to see how you can align your individual values to those team values. I think once you've got a good basis for that, then you can look to to kind of set some real good team goals that don't, don't kind of interfere too much at an individual level with athletes. Um, I think laying the groundwork with that is, is kind of really important when it comes to a team setting. The
0: important thing is almost before you actually set the goal, it's about developing relationships and strong ties within the team and and absolutely that might well relate to the values that that team holds and once you've understood the people in front of you and and they've understood each other then that sets you up really well to set some really congruent goals for the team holistically and the
2: individuals within the team.
1: Hugh what about you your kind of practical experiences it's like what what are your thoughts on all of this?
2: You know I think That's a very good consideration that's been put forward there is, you know, what is the groundwork that needs to be there before you plant your goals? Uh, You can't just go into a goal setting thing without having those relationships and the team dynamics well understood. And similarly, like as a psych, obviously you can't set a goal unless you've got a relationship with an athlete, uh, which again has come across. So there's a lot in that. But what I'm curious of is, you know, we have heard of the term shared mental model, the idea that we all have created the same plan or the same idea, and it's normally used around team processes or game plans, that type of thing. I'm curious of, of Hannah's uh, and Charlotte's views on like what's the difference or is a shared mental model just the same as a goal or what's their opinions on that? Because right now I'm confused. I, I don't know if I can tell the difference uh, between the two. So, I mean, Hannah, have you any thoughts there? Like, is a shared mental model different from a team goal? Uh, Any thoughts on that? Or is this just like an example of Sykes creating, you know, more magical terms to confuse us all? I think
0: (laughs) this is a great question. Uh, Goal setting can be, to me, can be the same as a a shared mental model, this shared understanding of of what's going on and what we're trying to achieve as a team. I think both require... Um, a clear purpose, a clear understanding of of how to operate and the behaviours that align with that purpose um, and both require role clarity for individuals. I wondered if the the kind of motivational aspects of goal setting sit slightly differently to the shared mental model Um, and I'd love to hear all of your thoughts on this. (laughs) Um, For example like in the shared mental model in that and with that term, are you just saying we understand what we're all trying to do? Whereas with the goal setting, are you saying we all understand and we're all working towards something within that? What do you think, you?
2: I think that you have successfully rebutted a question with a question, Hannah. And therefore, <laughs> I have nothing left to do other than to throw that question on top of Charlotte. Is team goal setting just another term for shared mental model?
0: I have no idea. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I just had one thought, which, again, might be completely wrong and need to be deleted from this podcast. <laughs> um, but does goal setting lead to a shared mental model? Is goal setting the process and shared mental model the outcome? I don't know.
2: I don't know. But I, I th- just
0: suddenly had that thought.
2: So this is one for our listeners, maybe. If any of our experts and want to give us a reply on Twitter, at EPM Podcast that will be great because uh, we're all sat here a bit confused unless, of course, Pete, you have the answer.
1: Well, I was just going to say it depends on what we're defining uh, as a shared mental model, isn't it? If it's the team uh, having a unified view of, of who they are as a team and what they are about and the direction that they're going in, if that's what we mean by a shared mental model, and I think Hannah's hit on an important point there that maybe actually goal setting is the process by which we achieve that and again it might as we talked about earlier it might not just be the idea of if you do goal setting then that's the outcome but it's the process of going through that it's the shared discussions it's the shared understanding and the self-discovery of the team and who they are and, and kind of what they want that perhaps leads to them developing that that shared mental model i don't know if that makes makes any sense
2: yeah sounds good to me
1: <laughs> well, we'll, well we'll just take that as the answer then. Um, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> So what I wanted to get to um, was some some kind of practical tips here because yes, there's all all of these things that we need to take into consideration when we're setting goals with a team. But okay, as an athlete or or maybe even as a as a coach, what can I actually do to help the team set those team goals? How do we actually do that? And maybe maybe tips for Sykes as well. You know, how do we how do we get to the point where we're actually creating this this Oh, I've forgotten words. I don't know any words anymore. How do we get to the point where we are able to actually set good team goals? Anyone? Hannah? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, good question. And I'd say, firstly, having everyone together and involved, either virtually at the minute uh, in the world we live or, or in person, I think having everybody involved in the process is is really key and having everyone's feeling like their opinion and their perspective is valued in that room. So I think that's the first step, simple as it sounds. Again, I think we've already spoken about having opportunities to get to know each other and and really understand the individuals in, in the room. And then I think just giving time, don't try and set team goals in half an hour, Give it three hours, four hours if you need. Make a day of it. Uh, make a make a camp of it, and really give the athletes um, or, or whoever it is you're working with time to really, really think about what it is that's meaningful to them and what aligns with their values as a team, what's the goal that everybody will buy into, everybody agrees on, allow there to be debate about that if necessary. That's that's part of that process. Really, really look underneath that then to go, okay, so how are we going to do this? Back to you. what you said right at the beginning, Pete, the what and the how. What do we want to achieve and how are we going to do that? And agree on individual and collective ways of working and then look for ways to hold each other accountable to that through the season and really put those things in place. And as a coach or a teacher or a leader or a captain, potentially a captain or a leadership group within that team, find a way to hold each other accountable to sticking to what they said they're going to do. I think, those would be probably my yeah main thoughts.
1: <laughs> I think the thing he said that, I guess, basically everybody who's listening to this will identify with, is that if you're in any sort of organization whatsoever, you can't tell people what their values are, and you can't tell people what their uh, goals should be. And I guess that's kind of the theme of of, of what we're talked about today. You know, those goals and values as a team have to come from the bottom up. And you know, you just said there about making sure that everybody's involved, make sure that everybody has their opinion. It can't be a top down process. It's got to come from the ground up. Charlotte, what what are your thoughts on this and your experience of working with with athletes and teams?
3: Uh, I absolutely agree with um with, with everything Hannah said and I think that you've picked out that the key point and there's you know everyone's got to be involved everyone's got to have their voice heard
0: um and that, and that's where you'll you'll get the the best results Go on Hannah Um yeah just one thought shot that was speaking then that popped into my mind is if you have got some more dominant characters have a strategy to manage who talks and how much people talk um so for example I've heard of a group of athletes all being given a a bunch of uh, like poker chips, and within the course of that session, uh, they've all got to use all their poker chips. And if you use them all really quickly, that's it; you're done. You can't say anything else. And if you're a quiet one who might sit at the back, you have to use your chips. So that's just one idea. But there's probably hundreds of other better things out there that you could do to just encourage people who are quiet to speak up and people who are maybe a bit more dominant to. Um, to kind of not, not um, shut up. over kind of take, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to find a more, more polite way of putting it, but yeah, that, that's very much it.
1: Hugh, <laughs> what, what do you think? Because um, I think we've, we've covered all of the questions that we wanted to cover, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's been a, definitely an interesting podcast and so opened my eyes, maybe from a few things for me to brush up on. Uh, I think what stands out really is actually incorporating failure within the process as a normal aspect, but I I can't think of any more questions from today uh, other than I'd like to ask our listeners the questions of how did it feel when you hit the five-star button on the review because uh, it feels good for us. We hope it felt good for you too.
1: So we've discussed quite a bit today, and I'd like to just ask both of our guests, Charlotte and and Hannah, what are your key takeaways for our listeners when it comes to setting effective goals that really stick? Uh, Charlotte, let's let's start with you.
3: I think it's definitely around if you're if you're working with someone to to involve them in the process and and really help help get them to drive it, tying them into your values definitely really key if you're working at a team level team values and if you're working at an individual level your own individual values
1: And Hannah what about you key takeaways for our listeners how do we set goals that really stick
0: I'd agree with all the things Charlotte said um so try not to completely copy every her, everything she said word for <laughs> word there um, but um I'd, yeah certainly uh, kind of involving the. the other person in that process is is absolutely key. And I think just the word process has really struck me today and that and the and the process of goal setting and the conversations that surround it and just how valuable they can be and how important they can be. And absolutely preparing for the things that might go wrong. Um, As much as we don't we don't sometimes don't want to talk about that. That's that's really important and can be really beneficial. And then I'd say finally the importance of actually reviewing goals and how things are going and finding ways to or or finding time points at which you are going to review them and how are you going to do that identifying what success would look like and how you'll know if you have been
2: successful in achieving the goal you've set.
1: Hugh last word
2: well uh, I just wanted to thank you two guys for coming on and uh, say it's been an absolute pleasure I know you're both working in elite sport uh, within uh, the UK sport high performance system and the EIS and Obviously, working at Olympic and Paralympic level, and very very busy. But if somebody wanted to get in touch with you guys, um, where would they do that, uh, Hannah?
0: Um, you can you can find me on Twitter at han underscore lucy underscore brooks. Uh, brooks does not have an e in it, uh, as many people think. Um, that's probably probably the best place to to find me.
3: Yeah, same for me. I'm on Twitter. My handle is at Hinch. and I believe my my um, email address is probably out there on the world wide web as well.
1: We'll um we'll throw some links into the description for the episode with all of those details. So if you do want to find uh, Charlotte or Hannah, uh, you can just check the description for the episode, and you'll find them there. So it just remains for me to thank both of our guests today Uh, it's been a really insightful episode and I think it's been a really useful one for our listeners lots of practical tips on how they can set goals that really stick so thank you Charlotte
3: thanks for having us Us, me both of us (laughs) just just thanking on behalf of us both there
1: Hannah (laughs) (laughs) should we do that again do you want to do that again (laughs) so thank you Charlotte
0: thank you thanks for having me
1: and thanks, Hannah.
0: Thank you so much. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on.
1: You're very welcome. Um, so yeah, it has been a really useful episode. We've talked about why we set goals in the first place. We've talked about how goal setting actually works, and heard some really useful tips for making sure that we set goals that work for us. One thing that really stood out was the discussion around values. And one thing that I found really interesting to listen to was when we talked about the idea of preparing for failure when we're setting goals, but also talking about, okay, well, having a plan for what happens when we do fail. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe wherever it is you listen to your podcasts and leave us a comment on the website or via Twitter at EPM Podcasts. I hope you've enjoyed what you've heard today and I will see you next time. Well, I won't see you because it's a podcast.